when we think about life, I think it's inevitable that we're going to have times where we make a plan that then fails. Ever been there? Yes. yes? No, I, I've been there. Have you ever planned? I mean, this is Texas, right? So we're in April. Have you ever planned an outdoor event like, I don't know, a wedding or a reception or a birthday party that's outdoors in April? And then it like snows or like freezes. And you just, you're like, oh, well, Ohio. Well, yes, it snows all year in Ohio. But in Texas, it doesn't snow all year. And yet, the weather sometimes just, just totally messes up our plans. Or have you ever maybe... Maybe you planned a special meal where you, I don't know, either for a date or for your family or whatever, but, but you were so excited, and then you, you carefully planned a meal, and then it just totally bombs. And then you see everyone kind of like choking down your meal that you just cooked, and you're just so embarrassed, and you just say, yeah, nailed it. <laughs> or, I mean, I remember... When we had moved to Odessa. Now, if you don't know West Texas, then this won't make any sense to you. But Odessa in the spring, so West Texas, is like being in a wind tunnel. Okay? If it, ever seen those people that go skydiving indoors and there's this wind that holds them up? Okay, that is West Texas in the spring. And, but we didn't know. And so our, our son, Josh, who turns 15 this week, um, when he was much younger, I think he was three, and we... We had this birthday party outside. Oh, big mistake. I mean, it was insane. I'm talking cups full of punch flying everywhere. Like, just, it was just crazy. The ice cream is now melting. We can't even keep everything. We're, we're putting signs like with steaks and it's flying out. Babies are crying. And I'm just like, man, can we just go home? <laughs> can we go to Chuck E. Cheese? Like this whole thing is just not working where you have a good idea and you just realize, oh, man, it's just a total fail. I think on some level, all of us can, can relate to that. But we have a God in heaven who also makes plans. And maybe even this morning as we're kind of making light of this, of this topic, maybe in your life you... You're thinking to yourself, well, you know what? I, I understand failed plans. But maybe for you, it's not a birthday party that's too windy. I mean, for you, maybe you're talking about some serious, deep valleys that you've walked through. Or maybe you are walking through, and your failure is right in front of you. And it's so heavy on your chest that you find it even hard to breathe. And even coming this morning, you thought, okay, it's all that I can do just to get dressed and just drive to that school and just hope that God has something for me because, man, it's, it's heavy right now. So I don't know where you're at, but anywhere on this spectrum, the reality is that we need to hear from our God and know that he is God who makes plans, who has a plan. He is a big God and he has a big plan. And unlike us, God never fails. And his plan cannot be stopped. It is unstoppable. So this is the theme for this morning, is that our God has a plan that is unstoppable. And it is my hope and it is my prayer that you will personally experience and taste God's unstoppable purpose in your life. 
Are you tired this morning? You're like, yes, I'm tired, but that's not what I mean. I mean, are you tired of watching other people? Are you tired of watching other people who have lives full of joy? Are you tired of watching other people that are living lives on mission for Jesus? Watching other people live lives of purpose. And you look at your life and you feel like, man, mine's just passing me by. And I see others and their life is just brimming with a heart that burns for Jesus. And you're thinking today, man, I want some of that. I I want to live a life of purpose, enjoying the presence of God. I want what I see others. And you know, enough is enough. It's time. It's time to stop watching others living the life God has called them to. And it's time for every one of us to now walk in this life that God has called us to and get out from the sidelines and get into this game. And what I'm talking about is the excitement of following Jesus beyond just being a spectator and watching others. It's time to taste real joy and real peace. And soft is watching other people. And so we're thinking today about God's unstoppable vision. And my hope and prayer is that I can show you from the Bible that he has a purpose that he has had from the very beginning that cannot be stopped, and that this purpose, this plan of his, includes you and me. And this story, this purpose of God's, defines who we are. It defines our very existence, and it also defines where this new church is headed. And so one thing that I don't like is false advertisement. I want you to know what you're getting. And so if you're new and you're kind of visiting this brand new church, I want you to know our vision. I want you to know where we are headed as a church so that you can then pray and see if God is just gripping you and if you have this overwhelming sense of, yes, this is where God is calling me to be on mission. Because we have a God that has an unstoppable vision. Let me give you this plan. I'm talking about God that has a plan that can't be stopped. Let me give it to you. It's kind of a long sentence. I'll say it slow and several times this morning. This is the plan of God. God is creating a people for himself to display his glory. And here's the last part. By enjoying his presence. Let me say it again. This is God's plan. God's plan is to create a people for himself that display his glory by enjoying his presence. This is where we're headed this morning. And this is because this is where God is heading. This is where he is moving all of human history. This is the reason why there is air in your lungs. This is why you exist. It's because God's creating a people that belong to him. Who display his glory as they deeply enjoy So the first part is, number one, is God is creating a people. Let's start with this first part of of this somewhat long sentence. God is creating a people. And let's read in Genesis chapter 1. Because if we're going to talk about God's plan and his plan that can't be stopped, we should start in the beginning. So let's start there. Genesis 1, 
verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. So right here off the bat in Genesis 1, you see Trinity. You see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Let us make man, make humanity in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the flesh or fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So we will talk about this verse more in a few weeks when we talk about unstoppable kingdom. But let's continue verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. I mean, you, you see this, the first thing that they experienced, the first words that humanity hears, they're created, open their eyes, and God blesses them. This is who we are, a blessed people made by God, made in his image. And God blessed them, and God said to them, so he talks to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. There's the word again, dominion. We'll we'll talk about that with kingdom in a few weeks. But he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He says, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant Yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with seed of its fruit, you shall have them for food. So God blesses them, provides for them. He tells Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. And he says, then fill the garden of Eden, right? No, he doesn't say that. I tricked you. He says, multiply and fill The earth, that's what he says. It's global. God's plan has always been, always will be global. His plan is to create a people. He is a big God. He has a big plan, and it's a global one. From the very beginning, God's plan has been to create a people from all the nations of the world. And so God's plan is centered on creating a people, a large community. God's plan is not us for no more. God's plan has always been, always will be, a multitude that no one can number, praising the Lamb who was slain. This is the plan of God, of all nations, every tribe, nation, and tongue. When I was serving as a planter and lead pastor of a church in the Middle East, in Abu Dhabi, a very global place, every Sunday morning, well, actually there was Fridays, not Sunday, because Sunday is a work day. Friday is where we would gather. It's different. It's weird. Anyway, so we, we would gather on Fridays, and I would stand to proclaim the word in front of God's people, and every single Friday morning, I would see this snapshot of heaven. We had Lots of different Africans from different countries. We had Filipinos. We had Russians and Finnish and Swedish and British and Australians. And we had Kiwis and we had South Americans and even Canadians and a few Americans. And, but mostly Texans. It was awesome. 
I'm not even exaggerating. It was literally this picture of heaven. And I pray that God makes Renewed Church a diverse place. I pray that it will be normal for Renewed Church to be diverse. That we will have people of different backgrounds and different skin colors and different accents. Not just your pastor, but others who sound funny too. Because the call is global. And so what we're seeing here is God's plan is to create a people that will belong to him. So it's far bigger than you, far bigger than me. We are part of something bigger than ourselves that gives our lives eternal value. So we see here God is creating a people, second part, for himself. It's not just a random people. He's creating a people for himself. We were made by God and we were made for God. So he's creating this, this multitude, this people, because he loves you. He delights in you. And maybe we need to pause there for a moment this morning, and you need to let that profound truth sink in. God delights in you. Yes, he knows you're messed up. He knows. He knows you completely. He knows all your fears, all your thoughts, but no one else knows. He knows. And yet, he loves you. And this is what is really mind-blowing about the, about the gospel, is to be fully known and yet fully loved. This is the love of God. It is not like human love. And he enjoys you, and he wants you to know him. Genesis chapter 3 describes God in the cool of the evening, coming into the garden to commune, to just talk to, to just spend time with Adam and Eve. I mean, think about that. At the end of the day, coming together to talk. Does that sound familiar? Wives, when your husband gets home, in the evening, what is the first question you ask him? How was your day, right? We all ask it. How was your day? And husbands, when your wife asks you that, oftentimes you're like, oh, I don't want to talk about my day. And so as much as oftentimes wives want to ask that, so sadly, much to our chagrin, husbands oftentimes don't want to connect. We don't. We want to just retreat. Or, But wives, how do you feel whenever your man comes home and you say, so how was your day? And you get a grunt. And then, and then he just sits on the couch and watches TV all evening. Or just catching up on the sports world for several hours that evening. Hey, I'm, I'm just a messenger. I don't write the mail. I just deliver it. Um, what you see here is God in the evening is spending time with the people that he loves talking about their day. Connecting with them. Talking to them. Enjoying the relationship because there's no brokenness. Man, we're a long way from Eden today. 
but what you see here is perfection. But do you know why? Do you know why God talked to Adam and Eve? I mean, you could say, well, because you loved them. Well, yes, that's true, but we want a little bit better answer than just that. Now, remember, Adam and Eve had not yet sinned. So it's not as though God was talking to them because they needed him because they were sinners. No. They needed God because they were human. They needed God because we have been created to be dependent upon God. We're desperate for him and his presence. We need him. You see, Adam and Eve on their own could not figure out their life. Again, no sin. And still, they could not on their own figure out their life, could not figure out their purpose. They, they didn't have infinite knowledge. They had to learn from God. They had to learn how they relate to each other and to God. They had to be dependent and to learn from God by enjoying his presence, by having conversation, by connecting with him. And so this is God's design. He made us to depend on him and to to need him and to have this life-giving relationship with God. And so God's plan and his purpose for you and for me is highly relational. It's wrapped up in this love relationship. So you exist to know God. You exist to enjoy him. You were made by God and you were made for God. And so as we're looking at that, this God's purpose, so God is creating a people for himself, number three, that display his glory. Genesis 1, 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You might wonder, well, why did he do that? Well, Psalm 19, verse 1 is a commentary that tells us why God created. And it says, the heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. You hear that? The heavens themselves, creation itself, declares the glory of God. And so creation itself is a display of the glory of God. This is the purpose in creation, is to display the infinite glory of God. And so this is God's purpose. His purpose is his glory. His purpose is to then display it so that people will then see it and then be captivated by it, be transformed by it, and then respond to God with worship. Just think about this for a second. He made us to be in awe of him. He made us to treasure him. So everything that he's made, including our own bodies, which is just absolutely amazing when you do any anatomy study, everything about creation is designed to leave us in awe. And when we respond with awe to God, the word for that is worship. So what you're seeing here in creation with God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit creating us in God's image It is about imaging, reflecting God, his character to him. So when we trust and treasure God, hear me, when we trust him and we treasure him, you know what that results in? Reflecting his character. So when we reflect holiness and love and truth 
and goodness and beauty, we are reflecting what God is like. Because that's what God is like. And this is our purpose. And when we are enjoying him, worshiping him, our lives will then reflect that. Because we reflect what we worship. This is what we are. We're essentially mirrors. We will always reflect what we worship. And this call to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth in Genesis 1 is not a call to just have babies. Like, it is, but it's more than that. This is a call to multiply worshipers across the planet. It's a call to multiply people who treasure God and he is their everything and their lives are so focused on him that their lifestyle just becomes one of focus upon God, which is worship, and it results in displaying his glory. So fundamentally, as individuals and as a church, we exist to display, to reflect the glory of God. So God is creating a people for himself, that displays his glory, and then lastly here, by enjoying his presence. So the Garden of Eden was far more than just ancient farmland, okay? It's far more than that. The word Eden itself means delight. And so what you're seeing with Eden is that it's delightful because God lives there with his people. That is what made it paradise. That is what made it beautiful and stunning and amazing and perfect and holy was that God was right there with them. Dwelling with his people is what made Eden so special. And this is the point. You're like, the point? Yes, this is the point. You're wondering, the point of what? This is the point of everything. This is the point of creation. God dwelling with his people. This is the point of why Jesus came into the world. And you shall call him Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. This is a point of the cross. This is a point of the resurrection. This is a point of your life. This is the point of renewal church. This is the point of everything that even exists that is not God. Everything. The point is God's glory being savored and enjoyed and exalted and for the praise of his name. This is your point. This is why we exist. And yet, if you've read the story, you know Genesis 3, things went really bad. You know what happened in the Garden of Eden. You know how Adam and Eve were not content with God's purpose. They weren't content with God's love. They weren't content with God's presence. They didn't want it. They didn't want God. They didn't want his joy They rejected God, and so what happened? They were corrupted. Adam and Eve lost their taste for God. And so now the world is corrupted and is condemned. 
And if you want to think of it this way, they committed the true essence of evil. And if you want to know what is the essence of evil, it is desiring something else more than you desire God. And Adam's rebellion brought corruption and decay and death and despair into this world. Now humanity is cursed, infected with sin. And now instead of tasting this soul-satisfying presence of God, what do we taste? Well, we taste disease and we taste despair and we taste even divorce and we taste death. This is not God's design, but we sinned. It's corrupted. And if you continue reading in the Bible, it really seems like sin is unstoppable. Like that's what it looks like. Because as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? They're out of the garden, and then their son Cain kills Abel. So you have the first murder. And sin gets so out of control that God sends a flood to clean his world, and everyone other than Noah and his family die. But then soon after that, what happens? Noah's still messed up, and he still sins. And then the world gets populated, and the whole world comes together at a, at a place to build a tower called Babel. And they're trying to pick a fight with God. Like, it's unbelievable. They're rebelling against God yet again. So God scatters them. And then God calls Abraham to be the one to, re, to receive his promises and to to be the father of his people. He still has a plan. God still has his purpose. And But what Adam, Abraham was not much better. He messed up several times. His son Isaac was not a great leader at home. And then his son after that, Jacob, was a deceiver. It's just so broken. And then his son Joseph gets sold into slavery by the older brothers that become the tribes of Israel. Like this is where the people of God are coming from? Are you serious? Yes. Out of this horrible, just totally jacked up family, God has a plan. And what does he do? He rescues them years later from slavery in Egypt. And what did they do? They complain, they rebel, and worship a cow. And then Joshua leads them to take the promised land miraculously, but they don't finish the job. It's terrible. It's like being up by three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and then you play prevent defense and let up, and then you lose. You let up, you lose. They quit, and so they they didn't take the promised land. And so then what happens? Read Judges. Oh, my gosh. Judges reads more like a horror movie. It's like... I haven't watched the movies because I don't want to, but Saw, like those kinds of movies, like horrible, graphic, dismembering movies, judges. I'm not exaggerating. Read it. It was dark. God's people are in this pit of despair and rebellious, and it's just dark. It's all like today, actually, if you read Judges. And then you had the kings. You think that was better? Oh, so the best king was David, and he was only an adulterer and a murderer. Only. 
It seems as though sin is rampant and unstoppable and God's purposes just will not come to pass. And God's plan of creating a people for himself who display his glory by enjoying his presence is just never going to happen. You're like, it's just not going to happen. But then he sends Messiah. Jesus comes into the world. And he alone is bread of life and living water. And he obeyed God fully. And so now Jesus, through the power of his spirit, as his gospel is preached, is recreating a whole new people. And that's what this is. That's what Renew Church is. You know, God designed us to be fulfilled in him in his presence. But because of our sin, we look to other things. And every single time that one of your hopes or dreams are shattered or you're frustrated or you're just struggling with with anything, and then you turn to whether it's the bottle or you turn to being a workaholic or you turn to overeating or you turn to sports or your health or you turn to pornography, whatever it is that you're turning to, to find relief, to find comfort, to find excitement, to find joy, to find purpose or hope. Here's the truth. You're not actually surfing for porn. The truth is you're surfing, you're looking for God. You're looking for hope and joy and meaning and healing that is found only in the person of Jesus and because of how you've been wired. Man, you want it so bad, but he alone is living water and he alone can satisfy your soul's thirst. And so when we look to anything else of this world that just leads to destruction, you have to stop and know I'm actually desperate for the presence of Jesus. And renewal church, you know, you know what this is? Like, if just look around for a second. You know what you see? You're like, I see people. What you see here is a taste of Eden. That's what this is. This is Jesus who is reclaiming what is rightfully his. You are. His, made in his image, made with his stamp. You look like him, you reflect him, and you belong to him for a purpose, to be loved and to be known by him, free to respond with worship. And he has rescued you from the kingdom of darkness and brought you to life and made you new and given you a new heart with new hope and new purpose. And the church is the people of God who display his glory where the, where the Holy Spirit lives. And so this is the dwelling place of God. And so what we do on Sundays is not just a casual thing. It's not a check-the-box churchianity. It's eternal. It's soul-satisfying. Soul it's what we were made for. And my heart is that we would be real with each other. 
where even, you know, this church is one week old. It's crazy. And yet I've already had to, to more than one person in this room, had to go to and say, brother or, or sister, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what I said. I didn't mean it like that. I'm sorry for what I did. It was miscommunication or just flat out, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And to be part of a church where you can be real and not have to put a mask on and maintain the charade and pretend you've got it all together when you know you don't. None of us do. Where it's okay to not be okay. And yet it's okay to know that together we're being made new. We're experiencing God's renewal. We can come be real. And someone asks you, are you okay? And you don't have to lie. You can say, no, actually, it's not. It's, it's cruddy. Can you pray for me? And know that we will. And come belong. Because this is our purpose. God is creating a people for himself that together display his glory as we together enjoy his presence. Are you hungry for something real? Then you've come to the right place because we're not here to play games or maintain any kind of facade. This is the point of our church. People that have been made new by Jesus. We're following him together. This is a gathering of people that God has recreated through his spirit that now display his glory as we enjoy his presence. And you can be loved and you can be forgiven and you can belong. Let me read to you. I, I won't go long, but I do want to read this to you. In Revelation 21, this is the end of the story. This is where our lives are Headed, Revelation 21, verses 1 through 6. This is a future promise. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. You hear that? He will dwell with us, live with us, be our God, and we his people. Verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. Just like from the cross, it is finished. It is done. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give them from the spring of the water of life without payment. Are you thirsty today? And are you broke? You're like, I have nothing left. Come, drink of this living water. Have your soul satisfied and healed There's no charge. It is done. Jesus paid it all 
on the cry on the cross. And then if you turn the page, you go to chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne of God and on the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life. Ah, sound familiar? It's in Genesis, from the Garden of Eden, in heaven. The tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and the night will be no more. They will need no lamp, light of lamp or sun, For the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. We will see the face of Jesus himself. We will worship. And so what you're seeing with Genesis 1 and Revelation is a completion of God's plan. And if Genesis 1 and if Revelation 22 sound pretty similar, you're like, that sounds like Eden. That's because it is. Our champion from heaven is leading us back into the garden where we will eat of this tree of life. And so God's goal is to renew and then gather his people together to fulfill our purpose, which is worshiping him forever. This is your story. This is what our lives are about. And this gives us hope and value and purpose. So maybe you're wondering, well, okay, all that sounds great, but help me understand this about your church vision. So where exactly is Renewal Church headed? What is the direction of this church? And so where, where are you going as a church? Well, the Renewal Church vision is to bring God's renewal to Bell County and the world. This is what we're about. We're about bringing God's renewal, beginning here in Bell County, and then by his grace to the ends of the world. We have tasted his renewal, and now we are called to go spread that so others can experience it as well. God's purpose is unstoppable which means this renewal church vision, which is based upon the word itself, is equally unstoppable. So Satan and all of his demonic forces have no hope of stopping us. Your sin and your failures are no match for the love and mercy of God. If you are considering even joining this church, if you're praying now on, well, possibly... I feel like God might be leading me to make this my faith family where I can belong here. I want you to know where we're headed. We're going to be a worshiping church because that's what we just saw in the Bible, that that's our goal is to to worship. And so we're going to unapologetically worship. And so if you say, well, you sing for too long, well, you can sit or you can kneel. Or you can stand, or however you want. The posture is however God leads you. But we're going to be a worshiping community that our our hearts explode with joy in God's presence. We're, We're going to aim to be a healthy church. 
And by definition, a healthy church is one that displays the character of God. When people come in here and they meet people from Renewal Church, my hope is that they meet people that are kind and gentle and welcoming and real and forgiving and honest. Why? Because that's what God is like. And so we should reflect it and be a healthy church. We're going to be also a missional church. We want to go and pierce the darkness of Bell County and see lives made new in Jesus so they can then grow in Jesus and be released into the world for Jesus. So as a church, we are defined by the cross and we are marked by love. This is who we are. This is, this is the vision that God is creating a people for himself who display his glory as we enjoy his presence. And so our vision is to spread this renewal so that more people can come and experience their purpose.